Hello and welcome to Staying the Course, a podcast on navigating the challenges of lifelong learning. If you're new to the channel, do subscribe if you find this content helpful. Our guest for today is Dr. Salahuddin Harithuddin, an academic in the field of aerospace engineering. Assalamualaikum. Hi, Salah. How are you? Uh, welcome, Salam. Hello, Asrib. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Looking good, man. Looking good. Right. So, in this episode, I'll be speaking to Salah about emerging trends and changes in the academic world, especially coming out of the pandemic. We are keen to understand how teaching and research in higher education have been transformed or evolved after the world went into lockdown as work and school move online over the past two years. Briefly, Salah holds, Dr. Salahuddin holds a PhD in aerospace engineering from RMIT University in Australia, as well as master's and bachelor's degree in the same field from the University of Michigan. So, Yop, are you ready? We can begin? Yeah, sure. Great, great, great. My first question is a very short one. Oh, straight to the question. Okay. <laughs> it's just to set the scene. Tell us okay. about yourself, Yop. Tell us about yourself. Okay. Oh, first and foremost, I, I, I really need to thank uh, Asrif for having me in this podcast. I think um, I've seen a few of, of the videos on YouTube. Mm. Um, I think that the, the content is great. Um, it's, it's, it's something I think is going to be useful for, for a lot of people, especially in, in university and academia. Um, for me, myself, I um, actually... I. Um, did my degree in aerospace engineering in University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, uh, back in 2006. So I was the class of 2006. And then I continued my um, master's program in the same university until uh, 2009. But in between that, I was a tutor at University of Putra, Malaysia for, for one year, teaching assistant, basically tutor. Um, and then um, uh, after... Uh, while I continued my PhD in um, RMIT University, Melbourne, or rather it's Bandura campus, uh, uh, Bandura campus in, uh, because, you know, RMIT has a couple campuses around Melbourne um, campuses, yeah, yeah but um, mine is in East Bandura, specifically School of Mechanical Aerospace mm. Engineering. Um, and then... Um, uh, became a, a senior lecturer in uh, at UPM Department of Aerospace Engineering also in 2015. <laughs> oh, yeah, 2015. Yeah. And now it's been about six or seven years. Um, uh, and I've um, uh, there I'm I'm doing uh, mostly research on um, aerospace vehicle design, control systems, and teaching. Um, uh, courses related to astronautics engineering. Mm. And I'm also part of the committee on uh, teaching and learning innovation in University of Putra, Malaysia. So yeah, that's all about um, me, I guess. Right, right. Thanks, man. So, you know, the reason I'm having you into this particular mm -hmm. episode is because you are directly on the ground in the thick of the action as an academic who is involved heavily in teaching, in research, in designing curriculum, in developing modules for your, for your student. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively an outsider, although I'm so fascinated with the academic world, I dabble with it here and there, you know, doing some adjuncts here and there, volunteering to do lectures here and there but you are right in the thick of the action. And I felt that there has been significant changes over the past two years for obvious mm -hmm. reasons, right? Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned earlier, the world of work, the world of schooling, the world of higher education have all shifted into the virtual environment. But I think shifting physically and shifting the mindset of learners and also doing research and teaching Mm -hmm. are two different dimensions of looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. So being there 
during the transition of being on campus to doing teaching online um is something that i would like to go deep deeper on with you mm. later on mm. but let's start mm. with the basics let's start mm. with the basics of what happens on campus within mm. the environment of a higher education institution you i only mm. know because i was an undergraduate once so i was <laughs> in the receiving end of the teaching experience learning experience mm-hmm. i was not a good undergraduate i was not a good example of an undergraduate student right but um that's the teaching process and that's the research process that's all yes now mm-hmm. tell me is that all to it or are there many other things that make up the ecosystem within an institution mm-hmm. taking example your experience okay Um sometimes the name itself lecturer is kind of um I would say misnomer <laughs> because it just give the impression that we only lecture. Yeah. You know, we you know where codes and lecture. yeah, it's a we lecture, we come to lecture hall and then give speeches. Um but um I would say uh, that's about right teaching and uh, research and i would say also um community and industrial engagement but just to break it a little bit you know uh, further um i would say what we are doing is one teaching obviously um some universities they have um maybe 12 to 15 hours per week some may go up to 20 24 i've heard of um, some some lecturers are teaching 20 24 hours per week um and then we are uh, we also should be supervising postgraduate students you know research students um so supervisory is a big part of academic life also and uh, in terms of research um i would say that two sub parts for that one is um we are required to publish um our research we get certain numbers like how many you know publications per year yeah. but that differs varies from university to university like a research university so probably we uh, i'm in a research university upm so we probably have to um focus more on research and publish more and also part of that uh, we need to um, you know get because to in a, to to be able to do research you know you need to get grants <laughs> to mm. do uh, research so that is part of, a part of the research activities also and um we also have to uh, do some community and industrial engagement we need to engage with the community as a university as an academic we also need to um engage with the industries not only for the purpose of research but also for teaching and learning for any uh, projects consultancy um we are also sometimes referred to as experts you know we invited to speakers conferences and then um the um other little things about the academic life is being in committees yeah. you know committee for this and that because what You see when you read newspapers right you you read about a professor or a group of researchers group of scientists um come up with some brilliant invention mm. um think of it like uh, this is probably one of the successful attempt out of i don't know 10 15 attempts before so yeah. Yeah. it's it's uh, the one that you see is the 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 one that survives all this committee process <laughs> meetings and these meetings so that that is pretty much i would say um part of our um, academic life so and for doc, uh, medical doctors usually medical um uh, the lecturers in um uh, uh, yeah uh, yeah med school usually they will also have this other part where clinical where they have to yeah so that's pretty much it i guess So you see you see how shallow my perspective is because I only see teaching and research now right you mm-hmm. any supervision uh oh, yeah I'm writing. just breaking uh, breaking it, it into sub parts yeah. like teaching yeah. you have to do this and that research right. you have to do this and that. yeah I I thought that was a great great three, three and a half minutes 101 on the dimension <laughs> down grand writing I felt that's quite painful industry engagement doing consultancy mm-hmm. being experts from yeah. 
in the mm-hmm. field as well. Just a side question: publish or mm. perish? I heard this mm-hmm. a lot. Is yep. that true? Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? I I don't know, but but it it's a. Um... I hate that tagline, actually. You know, but what what it's trying to say is that in um, you know publication is part of being an academic. You have to publish your research, your finding, and well, to do that you have to do your research. So it's just saying that you know um, it's an essential part of being an academic in university. You have to do research. You have to publish. Mm. But I don't like the parish part because yeah. it's. It's it has this connotation that well if you're not doing that then you're not worthy because mm. um, you know some sometimes you know um, academics they have different I would say focus or um, sometimes there, there are lecturers who are really excellent in, in teaching um, you know they're invited all over around the world because of their expertise in in mm. in, in, in teaching and learning. Um, and they may not do as as in intense of research as as the other academic. So, but are we should, should they perish? So, so, so it's that, a question. question. It's a question of quality versus quantity as well, right? Oh yeah, oh, that, that's another story altogether. Sometimes right? people will say, mm. "Yeah, um, you're talking about papers, uh, publication. publication quality." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know. Dark Side of the Moon as an album <laughs> took yes. them hum, quite a, quite some time to come up with that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. reason that that is the album that has lasted the longest in the Billboard yeah. charts, yeah, yeah, was the level of depth that went into, yep, yep, building that album, right? Uh-huh. So there, a Pink Floyd reference to, Public <laughs> Paris, right? but one might argue though, uh-huh. um, uh, when you're talking about quality versus quantity. Mm. They would say, well, quantity is also a quality, you know. <laughs> so productivity. Uh, you know, the, yeah, people will see that, you know. Um, we, we might say, ah, yeah, I prefer, you know, I, I prefer to look at quality rather than quantity, but actually the quantity usually will 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 bring more attention. Wow, 100 publications per year. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's usually like that. Mm-hmm. So so um just and adjacent to that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, citation counts. Um, yeah. I see that, you know, Google Scholar citation mm-hmm. counts. Um, mm-hmm. Is it a badge of honor, Salah? Is that a, is that a fair badge of honor among, among academics? Uh, How do you view it, um, just out of curiosity? Uh, fair or not, it's... Um... You see, I, I don't really like to, to talk about, like... Um, uh like a value of a researcher, but I would rather look at citation, like on article, for example, it's been cited all around. I uh, think that's, that's a, a good, yeah. good, a good indication. One, one indication of how um, that paper is being referred, being cited all around the you know, scientific com- uh, community, for example. Uh, but there is, um, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, when we're doing science, it's not we are targeting the citation counts really. I mean, it, it's not a good um, target to go for. I want to, you know, write a paper which has thousands, two thousand citations. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that's a good, good objective or good goal to to publish. But rather, because you can publish a really bad paper and it's been been cited also, you know. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I would rather. Uh, in this case, I would um, look into more of the quality. Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to get out there? What are you, uh, what new um, knowledge are you trying to mm-hmm. to put out there? Um, what are you trying to discuss? Um, mm-hmm. uh, d- discuss put into discourse. What are you trying to you know achieve out there? I think I think that's more important. Yeah, I watch the chair on Netflix. Oh yeah, I watched that one too. And. Um, yeah. You, um, uh, it's a depiction of committees. Yeah. What do you think? It's, I, 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 it, as an outsider again, uh-huh. I enjoyed the comedy. I mm-hmm. enjoyed the wit and the bit of drama in there. 
Uh-huh. And I enjoy the lightheartedness of um, <laughs> depicting a liberal arts college because we were yeah. sort of in yeah. that environment yeah. once upon a time, yeah. right? So, I, I, you know, but how accurate is that, Salah? I, I can't say too much for American universities or liberal arts uh, college like that. But uh, if, if you compare the, the, that situation in that um, series with, it, it's it's... Very different, I would say. I see. Um, uh, from from uh, the 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 arena here in in Malaysia, it's it's quite different, because I think um, how should I say this? Um, uh, there it's kind of obvious, you know. You have this, um, you know, um, a position, the head of department, uh, the chair. Where he had to do other things besides teaching, and then no, it, it's kind of. Uh, I haven't been the head of department yet, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I'm the, from the way um, from what I've seen. I think it's 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 really different lah. Okay. The academia arena in um, that movie. And what struck, us here. What, what struck me is that the parallel mm. of that and also corporate, because I've been in corporate fifteen oh. years, mm-hmm. right? So the parallel of some amount of bureaucracy, mm-hmm. um, the parallel of the politics behind it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dynamics between the people who are involved, um, mm-hmm. some amount of favoritism and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. ultimately, it's still a group of people trying to agree on something. Mm-hmm. Right? Although in the corporate world, you know, there's there's profit and loss, and then mm-hmm. in in academics, there's there's other objectives. So I think mm. as much as I'm experiencing differently on my day-to-day mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. there are many similarities that I'm observing. You found a lot of similarities. I yeah. found a lot yeah. of similarities. I think it, it mirrored um, the uh, corporate world more than academic um, life, at least in, in Malaysia. Ah, so, yeah. And I mm-hmm. think if you bring somebody from the public sector mm-hmm. to watch the entire series, uh-huh. he might he or she might have a view on how the parallels are, right? Yeah. yeah. And maybe he or she will have different, um, you know, the, uh, uh, conception of what, what the academic life in Malaysia will look like. They ah. might think, that, oh, this is yeah, probably yeah. what it looks like, but it's, yeah. it's quite different, really. Quite different. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So now let's, let's zoom into the past one and a half, two years, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Our kids when mm. school in the kitchen or from yep, the bedroom, yep, yep. And all of that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, from commuting for one hour to go to downtown for work, mm-hmm. I just walk out to uh, a few feet away to to do my work. <laughs> Now, how has your world uh, changed from being in the lab, from mm-hmm. being in the lecture halls? From you know uh, being in the campus environment, yeah. doing it at home, as mm-hmm. as as a, uh, as instructor, as 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 a teaching within mm. the teaching profession, mm-hmm. how was yeah. it for you when the world went into lockdown? Uh, during the first few months, I was feeling um, kind of. Um, How should I say this? I, I was because it, it's different. You 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 have the the freedom of to to work from home. Okay, you can wear can play cut and then not to dress up, but still look good on camera. Yeah. And then you you start using all these um, online teaching tools. So you're excited trying new technological tools for teaching, you know. And then at that time, we were thinking that, um, or at least I was thinking that it's not going to last like a year. We thought it's gonna well, this is gonna pass in maybe six months or so. Uh, but we were we were still really excited to try on these new things. Oh, Zoom! Oh, we can teach using this. Okay, and then we start yeah. discover that we can also teach using Discord. Uh, mm. You know, we um, how to teach using WhatsApp. You know, we discover a lot of um, cool pedagogy like how to teach and how to assess students online. Yeah. Um, You know the the academic world have been talking about this online distance um, learning for quite some times, but nobody really paid 
that much attention to it. But and then after the pandemic, and then we see we start reading these articles, the research articles about you know distance education, online teaching and learning. So we we, we were excited because this is something new, and then we thought that uh, well, uh, it we we are speed speeding up the innovations. Now we try new things, mm. um, and then I think. Uh, the campus, I think it was, the, I think the lockdown ended somewhere in August or July or something like mm-hmm. that. And then we continued um, uh, to face-to-face and then we were kind of relieved, okay? I think that was a good experience. We learned a lot. I think let's use some of what we learned during the pandemic into, into our uh, face-to-face classes, for example. Mm-hmm. But then when it continued and in 2021, it became, the, diff- the experience was different. Mm. Um, before it was um, this freedom of the working from home, teaching online, um, doing collaboration online was seen as okay, this is something new. But and then 2021, it, it kind of become a hassle because we start we started to see that there are things that we couldn't do. Yeah, um, teaching mm-hmm. and doing research also. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we realized that not much actually can can be done through just Zoom conferencing, like there's not much research can be done here, especially for in my case, like engineering, we, we got mm. to come down to the lab and then do things there, you know, uh, hook up with people and stuff like that. And then uh, it went on the whole year, 2021. Mm. So by the end of 2021, I think the whatever optimism that we had in yeah. 2020 was probably, um, I wouldn't say gone, but you, uh, I, I, at least I wasn't as, as optimistic, I wasn't as um, you know, um, teruja, <laughs> excited as, as last year. So, 2021 basically was, is just as um, academic soldiering through the year, mm. see what we can do, right? Um, with what we had, yeah, right. So, you know, if we can just draw a graph, like where you know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, the world went into the biggest work from home experimentation. Mm-hmm. Ever, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some people say that the only way for you to change is when you are forced to change, right? So mm-hmm. in a way, that process happened. But mm-hmm. over time, although mm-hmm. we tried to turn the challenges into opportunities, mm-hmm. there's some amount of cost saving. Some people say productivity has improved, but that's also mm-hmm. the case of Zoom fatigue. Yeah, yeah. And I think the point where you said you felt that there are things that could never be continuously done online is something that I felt as well in my profession because things like workshops, Mm -hmm. the debates Mm -hmm. that you have online Mm -hmm. are not as rich or are not as meaningful as they would be if I'm I'm, I'm, uh, in person, right? Um, you know, body language, tone of voice, and so forth. And then you don't talk on top of each other. Mm. I mean, even, even if you if you are um, giving mm. feedback, constructive feedback, I felt is more authentically delivered <laughs> if it's in person. Mm. Right? Mm. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were on the same trajectory as we went mm. from 2020 to 2021 to 2022. Mm. Now, the narrative today is saying that the future is hybrid mm-hmm. because I'm in the training sector as well. Mm-hmm. So we are looking into, you know, let's take the best of both worlds. Let's see where cost efficiency can take, can come into play with online delivery. Yeah, yeah. Let's, mm-hmm. let's bring personalization still from mm. clusters that needs to be done in person. So mm. hybrid is the future is the narrative that I've been hearing Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. do you share that perspective uh, from an academic standpoint? Yes, yes. Um, because um, one thing we've seen the the advantages of doing something online, um, you know, collaboration can be quicker and faster, easier to set up. Like uh, for example, I just last week, no, this past few days. I uh, just started a collaboration on, on a mobility program with an in, a university in Indonesia. And that took quite, usually before, it took quite a while, like months to, to get the conversation going. But our experience was just take a few days 
and then everything was set up already. So um, that's one good thing about online learning, online teaching or online collaboration. But um, with this two years experience, we started to see the disadvantages as well. You know, like you said, the human touch is not there. Mm. Like what I'm talking to, even if with this one-on-one conversation, you know, there, there are some, we, we felt, we couldn't put a finger on it, but there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you're teaching like 40 to 50, 60 students, mm. like there's, a, the distance is yeah. huge between you and students. Yeah. Um, and then when we saw that, we realized that, hey, you know what? Uh, we, we just realized that face-to-face teaching has its own, um uh, yeah merits um, is so, um uh, correct um because and then we started to realize that actually you know what teaching and learning is a social activity it's not really people would think that you know teaching is just delivering information to your students you know spoon feed them with facts and whatever is in the book uh to them but actually it's a social activity you you learn a lot from from not only from your lecturers, from your teachers, but also from each other. And then, um, so that's why when we talk about online teaching, we always talk about community of inquiry, trying to create that in in online. Um, So when we start to see pros and cons of online teaching and face-to-face teaching and learning, um, hybrid, I think, is the, the next logical step, I would say, because there's no way we want to leave all this online activity that there's got to be a continuation to this because we've achieved a lot i think um the the pandemic has somehow uh sped up a lot of innovations in teaching and learning Mm. in research collaboration in engagement with with um you know people outside universities so we still want to keep that and then but we still want to have like what I call this, um, uh, this, this human touch, this social activity, yeah. this, you know, getting uh, uh, um, around with people, for example. So hybrid is the way to go mm-hmm. um, in the future. But uh, I think the challenge is how are we going to mix these two? Mm. Because it is still awkward right now. Um, yeah. Do we have to come to class? Do we have to? Is this meeting face to face or is it online? Mm. Mm. Happens to me a lot of time where I thought the meeting was online and then it turns out that I had to be in KL. So, okay. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, so it's kind of uh, right now we need that transition. But yeah. like you said, mm. hybrid is the next logical step. Lah. So I've been an observer of learning technologies. Because mm-hmm. in the training sector, we explore technologies as well. Mm-hmm. I saw a video the other day of an augmented reality software for medical students. So AR. Yeah, yeah, AR for them mm. to study the anatomy of, of uh, the human body, right? So yes, bringing grace anatomy in uh, yeah. Our environment. That's a big thing now in, in education. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, mm. but again, as, as, as an observer, mm. I'm still wondering mm. how efficient it is when, mm. when you are, because I've played Pokemon Go before. That's my only interaction with AR, right? <laughs> it was entertaining, um, but I could still feel the disconnectedness of the reality and and that world uh-huh. right? mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um i think for the education purpose um mm-hmm. the proof and the evidence is in the results that you see and in the feedback of the students real students mm-hmm. who are doing it. now you are in engineering super high tech um so many innovations taking place mm-hmm. how are you viewing all of these learning technologies that is involving ar and i think metaverse is coming up i don't really know what mm-hmm. it means I'm just throwing yeah, that word either. out there because everyone else is saying it, and I want, I want it, I want it to be a keyword for people to find this podcast. But, but Salah, tell me, how are you viewing like VR and AR and all of that fancy stuff? Um, there's um, it's a, a import, it's an important part actually in education right now. Um, uh. The reason I say this is because in UPM, we usually have this yearly 
um, what we call Putra Inno Creative Teaching and Learning um, okay. but, uh, conference. So we made it into like competitions. And then what um, in that conference is what we are trying to bring in all these new innovations in teaching and learning. Mm. And for the past two or three years, we see a lot of this ideas on what we call immersive learning, AR, augmented reality, virtual reality, um, and how can we um, infuse this technology into education? I've seen some ideas like like your your um, uh, your remark on that um, for medical students. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of great effort on on this one, but I would say it's still in the experimental stage where people are trying to see what we can do with this. Um, let's try simple things first and then see what um, how's the feedback. Mm. Um, but it's going to be the future right now. Right. Um, virtual reality, um, um, augmented reality. Right now, probably we couldn't see too far ahead because people are still innovating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned uh, like Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Go. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let me ask you, like, like, how do you feel? Like, are, are you, do you enjoy Pokemon Go? Like, I do did, you enjoy I the did. AR? Yeah. I did, although briefly, I did. Uh -huh. Was I fascinated? Was Was I fascinated with it? Yes, I uh -huh. was. Um, <laughs> but my own limits of thinking did not go beyond <laughs> just swiping it and taking yeah. a screenshot and saying show, showing it to my friends. You know, um. So, application of yeah. that concept that we are seeing now. Okay. Yes, yes. For example. Is uh -huh. something that I am quite convinced in, although uh -huh. my question is still on the efficiency. You know, I still, feel, I, I think, you know, when I saw it, I thought, you know, mm -hmm. this seems like a, like a software that's quite buggy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so, one way you can see it is uh, you don't have to see this new technology as, as like a textbook. For mm -hmm. example, like um, you're playing, uh, let's say there's a um, uh, uh, augmented reality for you know, I don't know, experiencing organs in your body for example mm -hmm. um you don't have to look at it okay this is going to be the future textbook you know next time i won't have to read pdf files whatever not not a replacement they're not, not not the replacement but what's important i guess um is the experience of you using it for example oh, um, when you're playing pokemon go you, you experience something you feel like you are part of the community you feel like you are interacting uh, with things that, that are kind of virtual. So we want to replicate this experience in education. Mm. It could be anything, not only to math schools. It could mm. be, you know, um, history, for example. Mm -hmm. And the experience is going to be different from just reading a book or listening to a lecture. So the this experience that we actually want to, want uh, that's what we're trying to get uh, with this AR, VR, XR, <laughs> What's the XR? Oh wait a second! I uh, <laughs> that's a base. Uh, that's a, that as a model name, I think that's an even okay, name. XR base. You can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me like, ask Mister Google. <laughs> I don't. I forgot what X. Uh, it, it's not. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, experience. I, I thought it was no extended. Extended. extended reality. I see, I see. I thought it was experiential as well. I see, so I, I need to double check that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you know, okay, so now still on technology, right? Mm -hmm. What I'm so encouraged by is the issue is the issue of access. Mm -hmm. I've been so encouraged to see how education has becoming increasingly accessible with the mm -hmm. advent of technology. Um, the 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 MOOC movement over yeah. the past decade, I thought that's that's beautiful. Um, I mean, Khan Academy is one that I still go from mm -hmm. time to time just to mm -hmm. um refer. Um, University of the People are working together with universities mm -hmm. to get themselves accredited and offering mm -hmm. full degree programs for people who are in war torn countries, people who are mm -hmm. in remote areas and rural villages mm. and all of that. So yeah. um, that level of social development and social innovation, I think <laughs> is a cool thing coming out of technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your take on, on that? I think we've discussed about the University of People before. Yeah. I think we talked about it. Um, 
I really like the idea of trying to make uh, uh, education accessible mm. to people around the world. And when we talk about accessible, it doesn't mean that it has to involve, you know, high tech stuff. You know, mm. sometimes mm. Uh, you know we were thinking about. Um, not I think that they they had this low bandwidth teaching or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like how can you teach using just text because text are you know yeah. small 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 file and then you can and practical um and practical and well, then they were discovering one there but I didn't go deep enough into to learn about that. But you were talking about a MOOC a massive open online course. Mm. The idea is you make the course which uh, a course which is usually closed meaning it's confined in universities and it's uh, uh, only taught to limited number of students and um, it's usually face to face so um, they were trying the idea of MOOC a massive open online course and then we've seen a couple of good um, efforts by MIT and Harvard um, like you said Khan Academy mm-hmm. and then we've seen um, like Coursera and Udemy, Udemy, edX, uh, edX yeah. Mm. So the it's what it's trying to. I think the idea is to make course more accessible to people. Mm. Um, let that's why it's a massive. But it's uh, for for uh, I think because I've I've developed a few more courses for UPM. It's in terms of teaching a MOOC course is a different different kind of different animal altogether because um, most of the teaching and learning is what we call asynchronous. Mm-hmm. It's not synchronous. Like what we're doing right now, it's synchronous, like it's synced. Uh, I'm talking, you're listening, you can ask questions, I can answer it straight away. But when the, 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 the teaching and learning process is asynchronous, I might teach now, you might watch the video later on. Mm-hmm. So, and then you might ask questions in 12 a.m. and then six hours later, then... So it's it's not synced, mm. and most MOOC courses are like this. Mm. Um, there are certain advantages of um, asynchronous uh, 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 communication like this, um, but again, you know, it's uh, some sometimes there are, um, some people see it's not as effective as when we have synced learning, synced teaching. I see. I see. But saying that though. Mm. We've seen the tremendous growth on the MOOC courses right uh, right now, especially in uh, learning programming language. Right now, it's easier to learn through MOOC courses rather than you know attending lectures. Mm. Um, and I think one of the top ten MOOC courses in the world is also on well-being. Mm. Like um, I'm not too sure about the content, but it's interesting to see that you know people want to learn about you know how to. Mm. Um, you know about mental yeah. health, about yeah. well-being. Yeah. yeah, and it's offered in the MOOC course, yeah. and um, and also just to continue on that one, we are also looking at. I think you had this um, conversation with Professor Karim from USM also. Micro yeah, credential. Mic- micro credential. Ah. So that is also an emerging. I would say emerging. Um, it's been talked about for quite some time, but with this. Um, situation right now it's been talked about again micro credential is the idea is um this is the idea is this it usually it takes you four years to get a degree yeah what if i can give you part of that degree for a couple of weeks mm. i don't know maybe one per 36 out of that degree but you have to take this course for like two weeks. And then um, uh, you can take your time for the next 10 weeks, then I'll give you. So this is what we call micro-credentials or micro-degrees. Some people call nano-degrees. You, you, you will hear these terms. The idea is MIT, you don't MIT have to... MIT had a micro-master's program. You know, all these fancy names yeah. are coming up, man. <laughs> all these fancy names. And it's, it's really yeah. fancy as well. I, I, was, I, I wish I came up with the idea like <laughs> nano-degrees. Ah, yeah. But... Uh, um, the, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the idea. Is you talk about personalized? You mentioned about personalized learning right now. Micro credential is all about personalized learning, um, uh, because you manage the, the the time yourself. Let's say I want to spend these next ten weeks to learn about this course, and then get not a degree but a micro degree. Yeah. So maybe if I can get one micro uh, micro degree here, my micro degree there, yeah. two other micro degrees, I stack them up is equivalent to a degree. 
<laughs> so that was the idea. Hmm. Um, uh, and obviously, it's for upskilling is very good. Hmm. But um, to replace a university experience or university degree, hmm. I think it's still a long way to go. But yeah. it's still very good for upskilling lah. That was my for... question to Prof Karim. Will it compete yeah. or will it complement? He mm-hmm. seems uh, quite firm on saying that it would complement the traditional mm-hmm. methods of acquiring uh, degrees and certificates. Now, there's a movement. Oh, sorry, not a movement. I would say there's a trend mm. of people getting certifications for them to then secure jobs. There was a yeah. time when Google made public the certificates that they have designed specifically for people who are in IT uh, and, mm. and a few other skills, right? Um, how would that fit into the overall realm of um, accreditation, certification, mm. degree acquisition, and, and, and so forth? Because the appeal there is mm. in the, the, the pace, the duration, mm. Is quite mm. short, and number two is a question of relevance of mm. applying immediately what you're learning in the um, in the classroom straight away with that. The the, the certificate became becomes a ticket, right? Uh, mm. Again, I think potentially, mm. I personally think it would complement. I don't think it would replace. But mm-hmm. how do you see that fitting into the? That's that's actually a very good question because. Uh, that is also the the what the discussion is all about regarding this micro credentials thing. Um, uh, let me start with a story. Like I, uh, I at first I was really excited with the this idea with, with the micro credentials thing, uh, micro degree where you can stack up your degree with your the, your credentials and then you can you know show off to people. Uh, but then I came across this one uh, person who has amassed quite a number of online certificates mm. from, you know, this, I, I think he had like maybe like 30, 30 That's certificates. That's a trend so as well. Just, yeah. yeah I'm seeing that on, the, on LinkedIn a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do we call that? Layout, something like that. They, they, they put it, put everything on the floor and just showing that. Um. <laughs> So and then it, it kind of that image kind of um, made me think made me think that hmm probably it's kind of too easy to get those degrees now those micro degrees nowadays, um, and because there are so many universities universities and you know private companies also offering that as well. So I was thinking that it's it was a good idea, um. But now we are see the reality of it and people you know showing off hundreds of degrees. From from I don't know where, um, you know you gotta start thinking that hmm quality wise how is it? Yeah, yeah. We were we were confident with uh, universities or colleges conferring the degrees not because of the time, not because of the because oh that guy has studied for four years so he must be really good. Not mm-hmm. not uh, not that actually, um, but. Well, university provide the ecosystem, the the environment. You know, you and, have and the support. The governance, the governance of how it's run. Right. Yeah, the check and balance, the mm. uh, the community. So, uh, you know, and quite confidently that if you spend four years there, it's not like four years of just staring at the screen and or <laughs> typing out the codes. And I that. did. That. You know, I mean, you, but go on. You, you, you do a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there, there are a lot more to education yeah. than just you know um, uh, I don't know uh, filling up some forms I, I'm just oversimplifying of course but um, I think the idea is um, it, university experience is a rich experience yeah. and it's really different from learning from just one source alone from a computer mm-hmm. now um Saying that also, I want to talk about also assessment. Mm. One of the important things in, in, in education is what we call assessment. Like when, when you try to build a course, you need to think about the learning outcomes, what the students are going to get at the end of this course. Mm. Uh, two, you're going to think about the activity. So, okay, so they need to learn this. So what kind of activity you, you need to do 
with a student in the classroom? Is it lecture or some kind of discussion debate forum, some kind of active learning? And then assessment. You want to assess whether that student has attained the outcomes or not yet. Yeah. In university, this process, well, this is what we call constructive alignment. Like you got the outcomes, mm. um, activities, assessment. So it's, 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 a, it's almost a tradition. You know, we, we know already what to do. The structure is there. But when, yeah, but when you take an online course alone, and then who's doing the assessment really? Because uh, I took a course on um, uh, machine learning uh, on, on uh, well, I wouldn't say uh, from where, but uh, the assessment, I thought it was quite easy because I was just looking around like how to find this like Google and then I found like the answer. So like this is the whole code for that one. So I thought oh, that was easy. So and then, you know, these little, little story snippets here and there, those pictures and on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, and then my own experience made me think, kind of, can this replace the actual education? So far, my answer is a solid no. Mm-hmm. While it can complement, of course, anything can complement anything. Uh, uh, depends on how we look at it. But to replace university is, is really far from reality. I, I I say it right now, maybe twenty years later, someone will watch this video and say I'm I'm a st- stupid <laughs> guy for not realizing this. I don't mind. Okay, okay. Right now, what I'm seeing is that, but yeah, um, yeah maybe it will change five, ten years later. I don't know. In my line of work, when we mm. design training programs, corporate training, yeah, um, there's a there's the Kirkpatrick model. I'm not sure if it's used also in academia, but the Kirkpatrick models looks mm-hmm. into evaluation of the program. So there are several levels. The first level, mm-hmm. program effectiveness. Right after the program, you fill out a survey, are you happy or not? Okay. And it can be an emotional thing whereby you're still happy, you're still, you still have this dose of dopamine inside of you. But the second and third level is about behavior change and it's about business. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's about attributing how that learning experience has led to behavior change and then ultimately to business results. That has been a mystery for the longest time in mm-hmm. the training, instructional design field for corporate training. Because people who pump in money to send their people for training would mm-hmm. always ask, how do I know if the training has been successful, mm-hmm. right? Um, so... I think that's an issue of assessment and evaluation as well that we are facing uh, in the training sector, right? So now my my second last question to you um, is regarding, you know, we've, we've drawn a picture of the future, right? We have discussed about how it could mm-hmm. potentially be hybrid and we are expecting to see this um, transformation in the way um, teaching, learning, research and all of mm. that is happening in the academic world. My question is, what does it take? Because there's a people factor, there's a policy mm-hmm. factor, there's a process factor, mm. there's a platform factor. What does it take for the academy will to make the best out of all that has changed coming out, out of the, the pandemic and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we cannot expect that we will go back to pre-pandemic era. Okay. That means, yeah, um, that those are the things that have passed already. So do not expect that. So, I think if you just want to take one advice, just um, know that the, the one year from now, two years from now, is we are not going to go back to pre-pandemic era. Um, we have seen a lot of you know um, acceleration in in terms of teaching and learning, and in terms of how we collaborate and doing research. How do we uh, engage with community industrial? Um, it, we have learned a lot in these two years. So use that one to propel ourselves further next um, in a couple of years. Um, again, don't look forward to 
try to redo what we have done before because mm. because in these two years, believe it or not, I think academia has has, has changed a lot. Mm. Um, and then uh, for research, for example, right now we are seeing like a, a big shift in the way we trying to um, uh, uh, you know collaborate with each other, like meet each other because before, um, conferences are, are a thing where you know it's famous around academics. You know, we mm. we go to this faraway place where we you know um, uh, a group together and then talk about our our, our sciences, our mm. fields. Right now, it's different. We we don't do that anymore. Suddenly, um, we hope we, we we can do that afterwards. But you know, the the nature of communicating, networking is different right now. So we have to take note of that too. That means. If we were to say um, identify that this is okay, this is a meaningful uh, networking. This is a meaningful uh, conference. Don't just look into like those face-to-face conferences. I mean, online like this can be you know, really meaningful too. Um, and in terms of research, also we've seen that during these two years, there's a lot of pu- published papers on especially on COVID and you know mm-hmm. COVID nineteen and vaccines. Um, we see actually, well, you know, research publications can be dispersed, peer-reviewed, and spread throughout the world really fast and really efficiently. Why we didn't? Why didn't we do this before? What 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 dragged us before? So we kind of see, hey, you know what? We actually had this potential. It is. It was possible. Mm-hmm. So that kind of changed the, mm-hmm. the the publication process after uh, after this one because we thought, hey, you could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 2020, 2021. Why not continue with that? Yeah. And then also, yeah, and obviously we talked about about teaching and learning. We've covered that 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 subject extensively. Uh, we should recognize also that students can learn outside class. Yeah. So scrap out all this, you know, 80% wajib attendance. Kalau tak dapat, tak boleh ambil exam. Scrap those out. Um, those are like lama punya lah. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, I think... Um, uh, what it takes is uh, it's like a, it's it's almost like a change management like you need to right, change right. a lot like, you need to have the buy in you need to you know um, the incentive may be different this time mm-hmm. um, you know uh, the the resources might be different the, the freedom that you need you need to give freedom to mm-hmm. academics mm-hmm. though yeah all right now make sure they can work from home yeah that's my message yeah make sure we can work from home <laughs> so um you know, before I go to my last question, I just want to get yeah. some pointers. I've been taking some notes here, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. We, we spoke about the trajectory of early pandemic and then how it has moved now that we are going mm. to recovery and point that we've that we moved to point number two on how the future is hybrid, making mm. the most the best of both worlds, <clears throat> and then mm. how that is improving access. And mm-hmm. the third point is talking about what it takes for the change to happen. You're talking about change management, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the shift in mindset required whereby we mm-hmm. should not believe that we need or we can go back to how yep. it was pre-pandemic, right? So those are my three points. The trajectory, the future is hybrid, and then also about the change of mindset. You're a good note taker. <laughs> <laughs> I just took whatever is the last recent, the most recent one from the uh-uh. <laughs> last 12 minutes, right? Now, uh-huh. um, my final question. The, yeah. the, the four audience that I have for this podcast are actually <laughs> people who are undertaking postgraduate studies, master's, mm-hmm. students, um, <clears throat> students um, mm-hmm. some of them full-time, some of them part-time. And mm-hmm. a number of them <clears throat> do aspire to become academics. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, you, again, like I said earlier, you are in the thick of the action. Mm-hmm from your experience my last question would be on your advice and mm. on your words of wisdom on how they should chart their trajectory into easing themselves transitioning themselves into the world of academia from your experience somebody come up to you and ask you that mm-hmm. um i want to be a member of your uh, faculty department i want to become like you someday 
Mm. How would mm. you respond to an aspiring individual as as that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, when you ask that me that question, I think the the first word that comes to mind is the community. Because I believe when you're trying to achieve something, whether academically, whether in 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 terms of research or in terms of you know, um, you know, publication, teaching, and learning and stuff like that, you need a su- supportive community, a community that supports you. Um, so if you're thinking to go into postgraduate studies, yeah, um, make sure that you can find a good community, not only to 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 support yourself but for you to support others as well because like i said you learn more from the people around you rather than just the head of program or the lecturer for example of your if you're doing research the professor in the lab for example i mean it takes a community so find a good place where you can find a good community of support um that's that's one and then if you um because working with people it's it's more important to to be working with nice people rather than uh, geniuses or something like that. Ah, okay. um, yep. Yeah. So it's it's because you are developing yourself, and like a, you know, macam pokok lah. You need the hmm. good petana baju semua. So I I don't think it's much different from a human. So that will be my number one um uh, uh advice i would say mm. um there will be other small smaller things like for example right now uh if you're looking into research there's a lot of going a lot, lot of things going on now mm. pandemic um you know issues about ethics about climate change mm. these are all what we call wicked problem mm-hmm. so problems that have no solution only maybe resolutions yes. maybe some good choice bad choice Um, sometimes the solution is also the the problem. The reason I say this is because a weaker problem is a good source of a lot of you know research questions. You kind of start thinking like even the, like you see the pandemic. If you're into research, you can see the pandemic you know spurs a lot of research ideas. Mm. For example, in teaching learning, how do you teach during pandemic? Um, you you start thinking about online education and stuff like that. In engineering, also you start thinking about you know pandemic. Design, for example, how to design um, uh, uh, contactless uh, technology. So those are the things that we're trying to uh, we're focusing right now. So use as much as you can in the current current world. Try to see, try to keep up the the be curious. Um, it does. It's not necessarily to be to be to be smart. Oh, you found that? No. All you need to do is just be really curious, and you know. Try to find the answer. So hopefully, with that line of thinking, being curious about the what's going on in the world right now, hopefully you can find a good research question where you can go on, um, do your postgraduate studies. Um, and I think the final thing is, um, uh, like what we have right now, even like this podcast, mm. um, you will have um. Uh, Uh, like Twitter account, you can follow about you know mm. how to go. These are good resources. Back in back in our days, I think we don't have anything like this. We had blogs, we just, you know. Um, we have blogs, but blogs are yeah. usually talk about um, <laughs> yeah pickups and and going yeah, to concerts, like right? <laughs> but I was really you no. Know, it was for me. It was easy to kind of supervise my students on how to write because we have a lot of these you know resources online. Um, so I would suggest like go find these good podcasts like this. You know where we talk about um, uh, different issues of postgraduate studies. There are um, Facebook account, Twitter accounts, um, uh, good courses, also uh, MOOC courses. It's easier to get those things now. So make full use of that mm. because I think it's really really valuable. Mm. Before we had to find books. High books, you know, try to find the right people. But now it's so easy. Make full use of this. Right. Um, yep. Cool. So number one, leverage on the sense of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, expose yourself and be curious around the wicked problems that are out there. Mm-hmm. RFID is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, make full use of the resources that are out there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that, words of wisdom, 
Oh. <laughs> Words of wisdom, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I wish we are at a mama stall recording this, but again, we are utilizing technology. We can save the mama session for another time. Uh-huh. I greatly appreciate your time. Always my prayers for you. Thank you so thank much, you. Salah. Uh, thank you, Asrif. Thank you actually for having me. And I think we had a wonderful discussion just now. I would, uh, I, I thought I want to talk about a few other things, but and then it uh, kind of evolved with. So that's why I like about this one. Uh, and um, and good luck to you as well. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I need okay. it. I need it. Take care. <laughs> All right, you too. Welcome, Salam, Tullah. Bye bye.